Hi guys, this is Danny. And this is Molly. And who's with you, Molly? Go for it. Say your name. You've I was waiting name. for the introduction. Okay, we're gonna start again. She's gonna say oh, Danny, then I'm gonna say Molly, and then you say You can bring name. me in, you can do your intro and then you can bring me in later. I oh, I see how it is. I'm the guest, right? I'm the guest. <laughs> we wanted to oh, introduce no. you at top, make you comfortable. I'm not part of the part of the crew. You are part of the crew. Because you're like the pit crew, because you'd be bringing me. <laughs> You've um, made a couple yeah. appearances on a few. You have episodes. made a few appearances. Uh, you'll deliver you'll cookies. walk in silently and hand me a dessert. Cookies, yeah. I'm just the cookie will... man. He's the cookie man. <laughs> Molly, be my victim, Molly. <laughs> um, this is my husband. Right <laughs> I say we just go with it. <laughs> I like that intro. And this is uh, Black Chocolate. Yes, um, where we typically talk about Black women in books, but this year we just wanted to get spooky and talk about horror. Yeah, and before you come at us, <laughs> this is like the second or third time we've done a Halloween episode in November, so if you weren't mad those years, you can't be mad this year. <laughs> those are just the rules. <laughs> I mean, this we're probably this is probably just on par for what you would expect out of us. So there's probably no one really even mad. It's probably like, yeah, we're that, late, that's right. a dollar short, but we're, we're here. here. <laughs> we're excited. We got guests. We got so, we got guests. Guests. So, so let's get into it. We're here to talk horror. Molly, why is Frank here to talk horror with us? What are his horror? What's his horror resume? Yeah, so he's like, he's like more so than I think. He's like you are for romance. Okay. He is from horror. So I get it from like all, all directions, genre. (laughs) I like that though, we're we're a well-rounded group. Right. And I do think that there are parallels in romance and horror and how people perceive those two genres Mm -hmm. and how people kind of come in from not the outside but people might not always have you know they come in and they say well I'm going to write a romance for people who don't like romances I'm going to write an elevated horror yeah Um, Yeah, it's always got to be elevated horror yeah like regular horror just isn't isn't worth watching or something you know yeah so I hear I hear a lot of the same arguments from these two different sides and actually all my podcasting equipment comes from uh Frank and his friend started one that you can watch it's called or listen to listen to um plug your podcast I don't even know if it's on I don't I honestly don't know if it's still available oh I think it's not oh but it was called why are you doing this to me where I made my friend Jared watch horror movies because he's like you know a self-admitted horror wuss so (laughs) And uh, it didn't last too long, but uh, we had a good time. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of the birth of Black Chick Lit, because <laughs> <laughs> you had a you'll have the website, and you're like, why not a podcast? And yeah. here we are. So yeah, you've been watching horror movies. Like, you're a big movie person. You memorized, you had a poster on your wall as a child that had all the Academy Award winners that you memorized. You tell this man any wow. movie he could tell you mm-hmm. the date it came out. Well, not the, I mean, or year, the year, approximately. The year. I've never seen you wrong. I've been plenty wrong. So, Frank, you've been watching horror since you're a little boy. You were yeah. trying to watch it on HBO. 
Well, yeah, my parents had HBO, and so I was exposed at a pretty young age to all kinds of R-rated movies, um, <laughs> which I think, you know, you might think that, like, that warps someone, and I think it did, but, like, in a good way, you know? <laughs> I don't... Because I definitely saw, and, and I remember watching, like, Pulp Fiction when, I don't know, wow. I was 12 or something, and... But but basically, like I, I did watch a lot of horror movies um, around like when I was 16, 15, 16, um, I started watching like the Evil Dead movies. And so I got really, really into Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. And I had a friend at the time who was really into it, too. And so we did this this project <laughs> it was about um, the hero's journey. And we were like, hey, you know. Uh, Ash goes through a hero's journey over all three of those movies. So he like dressed up like him and we did a whole presentation about how all three movies, uh, you know, showed the hero's journey. I think it was probably a pretty loose fit, but it was something <laughs> that, you know, I don't know why, I, I guess because like I felt a little bit like an outsider and I think that horror movies do tend to appeal to people who are like on the fringe a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. that, it's not, it's definitely, I, I didn't really, aside from that friend who was way into Evil Dead for some reason, he didn't really like a lot of other horror movies. And so I didn't have a lot of people to talk horror with, and I still don't. So that's why I'm constantly trying to get Molly to watch it, even though uh, she's generally not a fan. Although I think that I've gotten you to at least watch some good ones that you've liked. I would agree. I would agree. Um, some other ones you haven't liked, but, you know, not everyone I has the same opinion. I will say Molly is sort of the horror expert on the show because anytime we're talking about like horror elements, she's way more in the know than I am. Oh. Like I See. didn't know about them. I didn't know a lot about the discourse surrounding some of like Jordan Peele and us and what was the other one that just or not us, get out and us. So mm -hmm. Molly brought all that knowledge to the table. Oh, so. okay. And it has it has in the last year, I think, there's been a lot of discussion specifically about black horror and how mm -hmm. violent it is and who it's for. Um, but we can get into that. Daniel, what, so what is your background like? Are you a fan? And we might've talked about this before. I think I'm, I'm kind of a wuss. I'm a self, mm -hmm. I'm also a self-described horror wuss. I can relate to Frank's story about being around television shows that like weren't made for your age group. So mm -hmm. I was babysat by older cousins. All my, old, all my cousins are like a good decade older than me. And yeah. so I was like five or six and they're like 15, 16, 17 and they would babysit and like they would watch, like I remember being in the house and watching Child's Play. I remember, Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I remember being in the house and I think like Friday, like all of those like 80s slashers, those yeah. were on. So I didn't like them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember seeing them and being around them and like watching them. As I've gotten older, I actually, I don't, I think I'm more, let me take back the wuss. I think I'm more ambivalent. I don't really pay attention to much of what's going on in horror. I followed like Jordan Peele's career because of the whole black thing. Less horror, <laughs> more because he's black. But, um, no, I get it. Yeah, and then growing up, there's a lot I kind of missed out on. Like, I didn't see Final Destination. Like, there were big name horror series that I, I've never seen. So, like, Final Destination, um... What's the one that came out? I just had it and it's gone. Um, 
Oh, I'll remember it. Not, not Scream. Saw? I know what she did last summer. Oh. Um, I did see Saw. And I think I didn't like that. I don't like the... And I guess this is where we can get into subgenre. Mm-hmm. If it had a lot of gore, I I don't <laughs> like it. If it's just mm-hmm. if it's just scares and demons and ghosts and all that stuff, I'm fine with it. I don't like the mm-hmm. gore. So, uh. so I guess that's how I would describe myself, sort of. And I guess with this new quote unquote elevated horror, they seem to be turning away from like the straight slashers of like the 80s and 90s and trying to do something. And we can argue whether or not it's effective or if it's even that different, but trying to do something more, I guess, high end or high brow. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's a good a good point because we just watched Halloween Kills, mm-hmm. which is a slasher. Is that, would you call that Halloween? Like that's a very early slasher, right? The very first one. Yeah, I mean, it... I would say that Halloween 1978 kind of defined the slasher genre because there were, there were other, like there were a few movies that came out in the sixties and the seventies, like black Christmas. And one of the earliest ones in the sixties was called peeping Tom about this uh, cameraman (laughs) who basically he wanted to film people at the moment that they died. So he put a, like a, a sharp rod at the end of his camera and you'd be filming them and like stab them. Yeah. All these films. But I mean, but those were like early examples of what kind of became slasher movies. But I think what Carpenter did with Halloween really created a lot of the tropes for slashers. And then that's when, you know, that was in 78. And then you had like Friday the 13th in 1980 and then um, Nightmare on Elm Street in 84. And those all came about out of the success of Halloween because it was an independent movie. It made so much money um, mm-hmm. and it was a huge hit. And, and that was like the first really big, you know, it got people to sit up in their seats and be like, oh, this is a lucrative type of movie that we can make. And, then, you know, I, I mean, not that it's easy, but like you, you watch the movie and like this concept is simple. Mm-hmm. It's easily, easily replicated. Like yeah, coming at you. Yeah. Yeah, with a knife. Um, yeah. He is good, Molly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? Doesn't he's that academic? And it's like, why I bring that up is I feel like this latest one, they're trying to quote unquote make elevated and it does not fucking work. Like, I feel like they're trying to bring in some of that A24, like pixie dust. You think so? I kind of think so. Like, with that Trump allegory, I still think that they have a, a kind of like, uh, um MAGA kind of mentality with all the people mm-hmm. there's this it's very confusing like a lot of the scenes there's a mob at the hospital and they're like yeah I'm mean, quoting and do you, yeah Danny do you have have you seen the original Halloween or have you seen any of them no <laughs> I'm always in there mom is like have you seen this and I'm always like no I <laughs> <laughs> no but I wanted to add a caveat because mm-hmm. I have read more horror I think so like a lot like I realized because you he mentioned the 70s and for some reason it sent me off in this direction I realized like I've read Carrie but I haven't seen the movie mm-hmm. I've read a lot of like Stephen King stuff like Pet Cemetery, and what's the other one not it I still haven't There's read like it 45 or something. Yeah. yeah but I think like <laughs> Stephen King is such because you know he has on writing and he talks a lot about like the craft of writing so I feel like people who are big readers, like it's kind of inevitable that people go through a Stephen King like reading phase, even if you might not 
like ever see a lot of the movies yeah and then we recently read the Tenerife Do which I liked Mm -hmm. because it reminded me of Eve's Bayou which which was this is going to lead to my next question how are we defining horror like is Eve's Mm -hmm. Bayou horror I think it is I think it traditionally is classified as horror or I I have not seen it oh we should watch it it's it's good it's creepy but I don't know if it's like because it seems like I don't want to spoil it but like mm-hmm. so I won't say anything because I don't know how to describe <laughs> what I want to say without spoiling it but it it doesn't have what I would consider like traditional mm-hmm. horror like there's no I maybe I should so Frank what is horror as a genre <laughs> how would you define horror as a I, genre I do think it's pretty nebulous like there is I think there are movies that are very clearly horror Mm -hmm. um, where the purpose is literally just to like have jump scares or to make you feel scared. Mm -hmm. But I think there's like literally like you viscerally feel, you know, the purpose is like make you feel like you are scared Um, either of what's going to happen to the characters or like if I walk out of this theater, I am scared about dying or something like Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, I think that there's other movies that still kind of walk the line of horror that don't really focus on, like, actually having things pop out and and startle you, you know? Like, that isn't necessarily what they want to do. A lot of them kind of just build dread throughout the whole movie and just make Mm -hmm. you feel uneasy. Um, Some of them don't have a single bit of gore, and they're really successful. Um, But it's... It, I, th- I think it's kind of hard to define um, because there are movies that are kind of like monster movies, but you yeah. wouldn't necessarily put them in the horror genre. Because like, I was going to ask, is something like Jurassic Park considered horror, especially that first one where they do kind of lean more into like, because it's almost like Jaws in a way. And Jaws mm-hmm. is considered horror, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but I think there's like a, there's an overlap with like suspense and thrillers movies too you know i mean it it is hard i think if something doesn't fall neatly into like a horror subgenre like you're saying like this is a ghost movie this is a possession movie this is a slasher movie this is a torture porn or something then it can kind of be hard to classify it as horror or becomes sort of a mix of different genres where something might be more of a thriller um, but maybe there's like supernatural elements which Mm -hmm. you could peg it into the horror category. Um, I remember when I was a kid, like going into the video store, I mean, first of all, I love the experience of just going into a video store and looking at all the covers, because if you went into the horror section in like the eighties and nineties, those covers were absolutely brilliant, like disturbing, (laughs) scary. There was covers on there that had nothing to do with the actual movie, (laughs) scarier than it actually was. but there would be stuff in like the horror section because you have to so like you have to delineate all these movies into one specific section mm-hmm. that I don't really think were horror or mm. like movies that were probably in other sections that needed to be in the horror section. So I'm not, you know, I'm not actually an, acad- an <laughs> academic on horror. So I, I, I often do have a hard time defining horror, but I feel like um, sometimes what defines it is like, does it have is one of the main themes like around death or um or monsters or like otherworldly beings and 
do you feel like the movie is sole purpose is to like create this tension or to build suspense and make you actually feel like scared for the characters and if they're all going to die you know it's tough because there are some movies where nobody dies and it's still horror mm -hmm. but I don't know I do have a hard time defining it sometimes so I, I totally see where you're coming from Dan like it is it is tough um, because I think with some of these genres like they can fit into other categories too mm -hmm. you know like I remember when Shaun of the Dead came out I think the tagline was like a rom-com-zom you know and it was like <laughs> this is a, it's a comedy I think it's primarily a comedy but it does have a romantic subplot like a romance um whether it's a bromance or the main romance between Sean and his girlfriend but it's also got like a couple of scenes that are extremely gory yeah like near the end there's one where some guy gets disemboweled and I'm, it's a callback to Day of the Dead by Romero but you know, at the same time, you kind of go into this comedy because it is a hilarious movie. Mm -hmm. And it does have, like, it is is very successful as a horror movie as well. You know, so it it's a, inter horror is interesting because I think that you, you naturally can slot a lot of other genres into horror if you wanted to, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Molly and I tried to get into the difference between thrillers and suspense, and I don't know <laughs> if we ever got there. I don't know. But we tried. We tried. Yeah, that's tough too. And yeah. that seems like it could be on like the far end because what's a slasher but a thriller that just got really out of control. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, I guess that's interesting. Like it's um if you're saying like the the mark of how you can tell is how you feel mm -hmm. about it. And I'm going back to all this stuff that Daniel has taught me about romance where there are very strict conventions and the people are very um, protective over the, the genre conventions. Um, so it's like, if there's no happy ending, it's not considered a romance. Um, oh, wow. um, if they're like the primary um, uh, motivation of the plot has to be the relationship of the heroes. Um, so it's, it's, and you know, someone came in and it says, oh, this is a romance because it made me feel happy and these two people were in love. Like that's not really, at least what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, and this could just be Twitter talk, but that's not as important as the, the actual construction of the novel. Yeah, because I think there's a difference between like category romance and love stories. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. think, well, this book has a love story in it. Yeah, but one of the people died in the end. So it's not, it wouldn't be considered a romance because it's got to end happily. And I was thinking about that in terms of the end of horror. Like, is it a horror if everything goes awry and like everyone's dead at the end? Or if everyone survives, is it still a horror? I would say either or. You could get either outcome. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's examples in kind of all categories, you know. And I think one of the biggest tropes you may have heard of is like the final girl right yes <laughs> i read that book coming coming out of the 80s um into the 90s i guess the 70s too there was always like some virginal character usually female that would survive and a lot of it had to do with you know the idea that she was innocent usually virginal and she was moral and so she deserved to live or something whereas all the horny sexed up teens deserve to die because they had the audacity to give in to their urges. Um, and you hoes gotta go. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but at the same time, you know, there's been final guys. There's oftentimes there is no final girl or, you know, there's final, a bunch of final people. Like, I think that there's, I don't think it's as strict with those kind of tropes, although they may be common among a lot of movies. Um, I think there's a lot of times where in order to be original and fresh, because I do think, and, you know, forgive me if this is a little insulting, but like to me, a romance ending in the same way every time to me seems like it would be pretty boring or like, you know, so expected that it's almost like, uh, you know, it's the same story all the time. Yeah. And I think it's more just the expectation, like when you're reading that you're not going to be upset by the end of the book, you're going to feel pretty good. Uh-huh. It's yeah, it's more like the journey. So like you have these, and that's why the, those tropes are different. It's like enemies to lovers. It's like you know they've got to end up somehow as lovers, but they absolutely hate each other right now. So how do they get mm-hmm. to that point? So mm-hmm. it's like the journey. It's like oh my god, there's only one bed. Exactly. <laughs> how do you play this out? But the I thing would... with horror is like sometimes the point is to upset you. Yeah. Um, and so they can, they can really do whatever they want. That's a good point because that uncertainty yeah. plays a lot better, I think, with, with you know, I guess feeling bad. But there, I think there's like <laughs> catharsis too with, uh, with horror movies when you watch them and like everything's going bad or things are getting violent and it's like, you know, how many times are we watching like a horror movie and I turn to you and I say, you know what I would do? I would just burn everything down. And then when it happens, when they do that, I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. And when, you know, the good guys are victorious at the end, you're like, yeah. But then someone comes out and grabs me, you're like, oh. So it, it, it's playing up different emotions, but I can see uncertainty, you know, making you feel more unease than the cozy, certain, secure feelings that you would get in romance. Yeah. That's a good point, because I'm thinking back to the other Black girl and how mm-hmm. I hated everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> and how they made me mad. And, like, I had to keep – there was a little Molly in my head who was like, maybe you're not supposed to like these characters. <laughs> maybe they're supposed to make you feel this way. Mm-hmm. And that took a while to get my head around. So I like the idea of, like, the feeling and the discomfort. Yeah, yeah. But if that was a horror book, maybe you would have enjoyed it, seeing it, all those. It is a horror book. Oh, okay. Did they get they get killed off or anything? They get brainwashed. They get brainwashed. Oh, so at okay. the end, like the bad thing does happen to the main character. I see. Yeah, she gets mind controlled through hair grease. Oh. Yeah. 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 So apologies it, for that book. That's spoiler. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I think about it again. Yeah, she gets, yeah. I guess that leads to the sort of elevated discussion because mm-hmm. that doesn't, it doesn't have the traditional trappings of horror. No one's being, no one's murdering anyone. She's not even really being stalked. Was she stalked? Yes, yeah, she was. Somebody was leaving mean notes. And I think mm-hmm. I'm starting to mix it up with these toxic things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say, like, so how would you describe? you know this this elevated like where does that term come from yeah. why are we hearing it now um and then can we like extrapolate that to maybe some other genres and how they might be resisting that or we might be seeing i'm thinking specifically romance sci-fi um 
I, I love thrillers. I love erotic thrillers, like especially like <laughs> movies, but they just don't make them anymore. So unfortunately, once in a while. Once in a while. So unfortunately, I don't know any examples, but I think sci-fi and romance, we can definitely, and maybe comedy too, you talk a little bit about. Yeah, the elevated horror is interesting because I think that what the perception is, which I find a little offensive is like, horror needed to be elevated because mm -hmm. it's gone into the, the dumpster of like, you know, where it was um, maybe in the, in the nineties and kind of into the two thousands where you had a lot of direct to video uh, sequels. Like I think there's like five or six, maybe uh, there's probably like 10 Hellraiser movies at this point and only the first two are any good. Um, and a lot of them. Hey, if there was no Hellraiser, there <laughs> exactly, was no Exactly. I was going to say that. Yeah. Molly is, is here because of Hellraiser essentially. Um, Wait, here uh, on here, Earth or in this podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh, she exists. That was my parents' first date to see Hellraiser. Oh, I didn't know that. That's my mom was highly upset. My dad took his <laughs> shoes off in the theater. <laughs> well, she was she upset about the movie or the shoes being off? Oh. <laughs> you went on a second date with this man? Yeah, I'm glad she did. Wait, I want to hear that. Like, what convinced her to the second date? I'm interested in that part a little bit. Was he persistent? No well, he was, yeah, because she worked at the law library at the front desk and he was coming in to get licensed in Missouri. And he came <laughs> back every single day and asked her out, asked her out, asked her out. You know, my father is a white man. He's older <laughs> than my mother. My mom was like, no, no, no. She couldn't understand him because he had a Brooklyn accent, really thick. She thought his name was Vito. <laughs> He takes her to Hellraiser for their first movie. Takes his flip flops off. He was wearing flip flops. He was yes, he was wearing flip flops in the eighties on a date to see Hellraiser. We'll be married. This is a short story. Please write it. Year next year. Uh, yeah, so I, I love it. Please continue with your Hellraisers. Yes, please. Um, but you know, it, it's just like horror movies tend to be cheap to make. And if they're even moderately successful, then you've made money. Like, you mm -hmm. know, they're, they're more a product that is less about like the art and more about the commerce or they can be, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there was a flood of bad horror movies, bad direct to video stuff, because horror fans tend to be, uh, ravenous about like mm -hmm. you know wanting to watch the next one and we would even take like the shitty ones because maybe there would be some like decent gore effects or there would be some good kills or something like that you know and I can't speak for all horror fans but sometimes you just want to watch that like sometimes like Molly said it is a catharsis where you just watch a bunch of people get killed you know like <laughs> I know uh, for me sometimes if I have a tough week at work it's like yeah let's let me just watch a movie where there's like buckets of blood across the screen and <laughs> it's just a good time for 90 minutes you know um so i think that the elevated horror kind of comes out of that where you have these sort of people like indie film auteurs who are like well i'm going to take some of these concepts but apply like this more indie film approach which you know is like more about tone or about the artistry of like the cinematography or the mm -hmm. sound or the music and like the acting can be really weird sometimes um very <laughs> subtle 
the writing is like really sparse um but it gives it this like you look at it and you're like oh this this is like this is new horror like this is elevated horror this is this is not your you know hellraiser 25 this is art <laughs> like someone at the new york times is like well i'm not embarrassed to go see this right, right. like this is art normal horror that's crap mm-hmm. unlike uh, that's leprechaun something... in the hood okay but ask us how many leprechaun movies we've watched how many leprechaun i like one... yeah, i haven't watched that many <laughs> i liked i liked the one he, when he was in the casino i did not like the one where he was in space <laughs> he went to space we should watch the hood ones though we should i'd watch it I was going to add, it seems like the ones that are being celebrated as elevated horror are ones that, like, quote-unquote, say something. Like, they have to say something where, I guess, you know, Scream didn't say anything. Final Destination didn't say anything. But, like, Us says something about classism in America. And and Hereditary says something about, like, the modern, like, the family and the breakdown of a family. And it seems like that's also, they're trying to imply they're smarter. Yeah, yes, I think that's it. They're trying to imply because I do think Scream is I mean, yeah. saying something very specific, where it's hereditary. <laughs> Who the fuck even knows what was going on? <laughs> you know, and not to say I actually really like hereditary, but I do think like Scream was saying something, but it was way more direct in what it was saying. Mm-hmm. Like it was saying something clearly, whereas hereditary is saying something and it's a little bit obscured, you can bring more. Um, of your own interpretation and I think because we have this like you know I think American schooling is like it 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 values it overvalues or kind of fetishizes like being confused yes like, and big oh, ambiguity and ambiguity it's like oh you're confused by this shit okay that must be good instead of like hey I read this poem. I understood it. I felt what it was trying to say. You know, I was vibing with it, and they're like, "That's not right. That's oh, a bad poem." Oh, don't, I hate that's what that's half <laughs> of all the like lit fic that gets. I feel like there's a lot of shitty <laughs> lit fic that doesn't get called out for shitty because people think it's just ambiguous. And I'm like, no, it's just poorly written. Right. People are like, I just didn't get it. It's like, no, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Sorry, yes. That's my rant. Yes. Yes. But I, I do think. I do think that that is a conception, like a, 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 a thing that we're thinking and a thing that gets wrapped up in this idea of elevated anything with genre, but specifically with horror. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a huge pitfall um, if you can't do it right. Cause I'm not gonna say all, all the elevated horror I've seen is crap and it's so pretentious, I hate it. No, I actually like a lot of them, but going back to Halloween Kills and that extremely like messy mob mentality, I don't know if it was an allegory for Trump. I don't know if it was an allegory for Twitter pylons. It was just like this mob and they get whipped up and then they kill a guy because he jumps out of a wind. And it's so confusing. And you mm-hmm. can they're like, well, when someone riles people up who knows what they're gonna do. And it's like, where, where's, where's, uh, where's Myers? Where he at? <laughs> He's walking toward the window still. I like to see him. It's his movie. Why are we spending so much time in this hospital where like 300 people are walking around confused, like fucking crows sitting up in a tree. You know, you see a million of them, they're going in all directions. It's like, what the fuck is happening in this? I'm, I'm waving my hands because I thought that was a very bad movie. <laughs> And I think that they were trying to make it seem like, oh, we're so cool and mm-hmm. we're so smart. And it just did, they just 
didn't have the skills to do it. That sounds like the criticism I've heard about Antebellum, too. I haven't seen it, but apparently, like, they were trying to say something and have it be so gory and horrific, but they didn't pay attention to, like, the actual conceit of the storyline. And people are like, this shit makes no sense. You can't just be kidnapping Black people in this day and age and expect no one's going to be looking for them. (laughs) I see you shaking your head. What's up? (laughs) No, I I was just going to say, I do think that, I think it's about the packaging as well. Mm. Like the, you know, Hereditary, Midsummer, uh, The Witch, Lighthouse, Excuse I guess me. Antebellum, The, the Vivish. Um, you know, these are examples of the elevated horror. Like, I think that, you know, to your point, Danny, there are, you know, if a movie is, if a horror movie is well made, like, it's, to me, it's just as good as any normal, like, non horror mm-hmm. movie. You know, mm-hmm. that requires, it, there to be themes that require mm-hmm. there to be strong characters, good writing, mm-hmm. direction, sound, like all the elements that make a good movie can be present in a horror movie. And just because it's horror doesn't mean it's, you know, a B movie or, you know, people didn't pay attention to some of these things. So I, I do think that there are a lot of horror movies that say something, but mm-hmm. because I they're agree. horror and they, they're not part of like, you know, you look at the packaging and it, it seems like a slasher movie yeah, it's just trash. It's just a trash slasher movie. It's not going to have any point or say anything mm-hmm. of value, but you wouldn't know because you haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's not to say like Hellraiser 67 is <laughs> trying to make a point about, you know, apartheid uh, or something, but like mm-hmm. it could, I don't know. They may take that story and do something with it. Interesting. Uh, unlikely, but it's possible. And I do think that, um, you know, there I, there are plenty of horror movies that deal with grief, like Hereditary, and there are plenty that deal with, um, I mean, there's just the different themes present in all kinds of horror movies that people just probably haven't heard of or given a chance to. And I think with the packaging of these newer movies that look pretty, mm-hmm. um, have a good cast, um, and are just done in a way that, especially like the Blumhouse movies or the A24 movies, like they now have a reputation of creating um, like good quality, I guess. Um, and so now there's this reputation of like, oh, these are good horror movies. Mm-hmm. They're not all good, of course. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's still hard to make a good movie, whether it's horror or not. But now you have these, uh, elevated horror movies that are coming out and it's like okay well i'll pay attention to this where i normally if this was put out by a different studio or some indie person like i'd never heard of i probably wouldn't give it the time of day you know i see a strong parallel with this in animation and Mm, specifically mm -hmm. like pixar it's like have you been in a pixar movie i'll think it is utopia (laughs) you come out you're like what the fuck was that about (laughs) Like, what, what did I just watch? And so our son really likes this movie, Sing. And oh. it's like, we're watching with them. You know what? It's just animals singing. They're just mm-hmm. having a good-ass time, and they're singing. The animation is pretty. You know, it's got some jokes in it. It's just, it's just a kid's movie. But I do, and it's like, okay, do I think that, you know, Sing is not worthy because the message is simplistic and 
you know, it's not talking, it doesn't have an extremely clunky racism metaphor in the middle of it. Um, oh, really? Um, but I do see a lot. Like, it was like what you said, like people wouldn't pay attention if it wasn't this particular, um, almost call it house, but this isn't Drag Race. Um, <laughs> production company, studio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the the elevated horror too is like when you read that or hear that, and I think the the point is to get people who are not just horror fans interested mm -hmm. in these movies, right? And it's trying to find a broader appeal of people who <coughs> like normal movies, mm -hmm. and so they don't want to just appeal to horror fans. So they have to give you something else, and so I think that. The A24 and Blumhouse, like they've built their reputations, but there are other movies coming out that are like, okay, well, you know, this is like a slasher movie, but mm. it's, you know, on a higher level or it is higher brow. And so, I don't know. I think that it's it's a little bit disrespectful to what yes. horror, because I think that there are plenty of fans who are not like bloodthirsty freaks who like horror and, you know, are totally normal people. Mm -hmm. um, and just like, you know, just because I'm a horror fan doesn't mean I like every horror movie. There's mm -hmm. plenty of crap, you know, mm -hmm. just like in any genre. Um, but at the horror movies that are good, I really love. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that uh, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that like we have these elevated horrors that, you know, are trying to be better than or trying to be seen as better than other mm -hmm. horror. I think it's, it's just horror. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to try and act like you're better than than the regular horror genre, fine. But um, it's a little disrespectful to the to the genre that you're like, you know, using tropes from and trying mm -hmm. to be a part of, and act like you're better than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of genres. And I use genre to mean like genre fiction, genre stuff mm -hmm. that happens because they just want to be, I guess they're tired of being shed on. So they're like trying to like be pick me about it and be like, well, we're not like those other. And I just, it's disrespectful because like you are. And then if you try too hard not to be, you usually are bad. Like mm -hmm. it's usually just not well done. Like you don't know enough about the genre you're trying not to be to the point that you can't make a satisfying or well done story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, well, let's talk about some specific movies because yes. I know uh, this came up and someone specifically called out on Twitter. She was like all excited. She was like, "You guys talked about uh, Midsummer." <laughs> yes, I would love to. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think A twenty four and Blumhouse, like you said, they're the big ones right now. But um, like, what else have we been watching? What else is out there? Uh, Danny, you saw you saw Hereditary and. I didn't Midsummer. like it. Yes, I saw both like of them. <laughs> I like Midsummer better than Hereditary. I agree. I don't, I don't know if that's the popular opinion, but that's how I. Feel. I think I think it's a gender divide. Oh, really? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I definitely liked Hereditary more than Midsummer, which I or Midsummer. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what, how you pronounce it, but to me, it was again. It was like. It was very pretty. Mm -hmm. um, it was an interesting take, but it just felt so reminiscent of like the Wicker Man, like the original Wicker Man, not the Nick Cage one. Okay, <laughs> that's a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just felt like there were no surprises. Everything kind of, I expect everything that happened, like I expected. I will say the opening was completely devastating. Like that. 
yeah that was super effective mm-hmm. and it was it was horrifying like that is literally horrifying mm-hmm. but the rest of the movie was like yeah okay it's, it kind of just went along and stuff happened and people died and it was like okay i've, I've seen this before mm-hmm. like i've really have seen this before it, it wasn't anything new whereas hereditary i was constantly like shocked at everything that was happening <laughs> um any yeah i mean people will say like oh i've seen that before too but like the way that it was done he, he you know ari aster did it in such a way that i to me it felt completely fresh and new and uh i i don't know if it was a masterpiece but like it was pretty damn good yeah i think that they're both really good movies i don't ever in my life want to see hereditary, hereditary well, i can't either. watch it now that we have a kid yeah, true. Um, but I think that, yes, I think Midsommar was, except for the, the mold people, I didn't see that shit coming. <laughs> I mean, how long are they standing on the top of that? I still now? thought something was going to happen. But I think well, it was less about surprise for me and more about catharsis. Like when that dude yes. was in that bear costume at the end, you think about every dude, okay. every dick who's kind of just like, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's and you see her smiling at the end. And maybe that's like a psychotic thought to have. Maybe yeah. that's like, but it is cathartic. I think it's cathartic in that way. Women or feminine people like take <laughs> some of that catharsis <laughs> that basically men get all the time in action movies. And like, uh-huh. yeah, they get to be the violent ones. They get to be in charge. They get to have everything. And it's like, you know, even if they're assholes, even if they're like, Think about if their house, if they're uh, the Mad Men guy, like they're being big old dicks to everyone all the time and they never get called out on it. And it's like, you know, you don't get to see that so often with female characters where it's just they go totally over the edge and at the end they come out on top. Yeah. And I was going to say, I thought the ending was kind of a surprise for me. I did not expect mm-hmm. her to go full like native. I can't think of a better scenario, but like, and I think that was part of what made it, for me, generally a more horrific watch is, like, slowly as you watch that movie, like, they stop giving a fuck about pretending what's going on, and they just mm-hmm. go full in. It's like, yeah, we're doing this, we're doing that. There are scenes where you can hear the one girl being killed, like, off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And I guess, listening to Frank's criticism, I don't think, except for the very end, where she kind of, like I said, embraced it. There was nothing fully surprising. Like I expected everyone to eventually get killed, but it's sort of watching as she slowly gets warped and like love bombed by this <laughs> creepy cult and then actually turn and eventually get brainwashed, like similar to our hair grease girl, eventually mm-hmm. get brainwashed and become a part of this really horrific thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of horrifying. And I thought it was a more satisfying, creepy story than Hereditary, where I don't even really, couldn't even really tell you what was going on in Hereditary. And it's like, it's such a, it's such like an attractive thing, even though you know it's like, it's the bad thing to do. But it's like, okay, at the beginning when she's grieving her parents, right, she's all alone, you know, she's, uh, she has no one around her, it's really upsetting. Uh, The people who are supposed to be her community are not really there for her. And Mm -hmm. then she goes and she has that scene where she's like sitting on the ground and all the women are like wailing with her. Yeah. And that's like this communal, you know, kind of older thing where like women would come out, people would mourn 
publicly and they would mourn together. And so she's letting go of all that emotion and all the women are coming and doing it with her. So it's like that, that connection to people, all the fucking flower crowns, which are just all over everywhere on Instagram, everywhere on social media. It's like this pretty, like, oh, I'm so effortless. I've got flowers everywhere. You know, she's living this, uh, uh, this lifestyle that I think we're told we should want. And then it's like, okay, well, yeah, step into it, take it. You're going to be in this crazy cult. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that to me, that was the scarier thing because it's like, okay, you know, it could be all these things you want, community, like uh, a healthy diet, uh, more time outside, but you know, to what end. But um, hereditary, I agree. Like, I'm confused the whole time. And then I'm like, where's payment? Where's payment? And And then then I was like, there you go. That made me so mad. I was so disappointed in that ending. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was so disappointed. What, what, were, you, what were you disappointed? Okay, look. I mean, Spoiler. Uh, okay, I'm yeah, gonna... yeah, lots of spoilers. spoilers for all these yeah. movies. Yeah. I was like, disappointed that in the end it was just like the devil or like an, an Aldi brand version of the devil or like a the devil's cousin. And I was like, I thought it would be something more personal because they had this personal story, all this personal grief, the whole thing with the mother. I thought the mother's mm-hmm. relationship to everything would be more personal. And in mm-hmm. the end, it was just a religious cult that worshipped the devil. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Like the oldest antagonist in all of like fiction. I really thought it would be like the mother was doing something. Like I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be much more personal and intimate. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt like a cop out when I was like, oh, he's being contr- the devil made him do it. A demon made him do it. So that was my well, disappointment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, you know, Molly, we we talked about this. We had uh, a very long chat <laughs> every diner after we saw the movie. But we talked about how you felt like a lot of horror movies aren't scary to you because you could never you would just never be in that situation, right? Yeah. I can't remember what that was in reference to, but like, that's kind of how I feel about Midsommar is like, that's just not a situation I'll ever be in. And maybe and that's, I think we're saying the me. same thing. Cause I could absolutely see myself as like a retreat. It looks real nice. You wouldn't go to that. There's no way you would go to this, what they but, call it, whatever the, <laughs> I mean, but the, but yeah. the point is like hereditary. It's yeah, just horror. at home. Well, yeah. not even that. It's like, this is something that was set up for this family before, like, they literally had no control over what happened to them because, the you know, Tony Collette's mother planned everything, put it all into motion. Her daughter was basically weaned to become a vessel for payment. And it's like, all this stuff is just starting to play out at this time. And you literally have no control and you have no idea what's happening. And I think yeah, it's confusing, but that's the point. Like, she doesn't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And all this stuff is playing out. And yeah, it ends up being Aldi brand the devil. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, to me, that that's terrifying because this seemed like just a normal kind of fucked up family. Mm-hmm. But no, it's actually like, yeah, there is the fucked upness of the family and mm-hmm. all the grief and all the shit that the mom did like just emotionally breaking Tony Collette and her family, like trying to deal with all that shit being passed down from the mom and then Tony Collette passing it down to her kids. Mm-hmm. And like, she thinks she's just passing down shittiness and like, you know, maybe uh, everyone's being closed off and slightly abusive and stuff like that. But 
actually she's you know kind of passing down this like horrible evil that is about to come to light and the daughter dies and then the son dies and she cuts her own fucking head off so this devil yeah that was that was bad and it's like a lot i it's it's a situation that i could be in right now for all the fucking i know you know oh no i'm just saying (laughs) every one of us could be in that situation but i'd never be in fucking horva well and i think i think the thing with horva is you don't necessarily have to be on a secluded commune Mm -hmm. with a bunch of like white people who Mm -hmm. really like wearing white i think that was that was necessary for that (laughs) but i think like the idea of like you getting like pulled into something and not because, like, and losing control of yourself is kind of what's mm-hmm. scary yeah. in that aspect. Like, something like, you feel like you're missing or you need, and someone, and someone manipulating. Yeah, and being yeah. in the manipulation. Yeah. And I think, and I can see what he's saying about hereditary, but it just, I will yeah. say, I do want to ask people, like, if that one scene that everybody talks about wasn't <laughs> in it, would they like it as much? Because, like, I would go on boards and everyone's talking about, like, that one scene, that one scene. I was like, okay, but after you've seen the movie and you go to rewatch it and you know about that scene, does it hit as hard? I think the ending to me, it's not as, because again, when am I going to be, you know, when are they going to be calling payment after me so I can kind of distance myself a little bit more? I think that's probably not going to happen to me. But it, it is pretty violent. Like, it is pretty yeah. gory and pretty over the top, even though it's not, like... I, I really do think, like, that scene right in the middle of the movie, I did not... Just, like, she didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well done. Nice gallows humor. Well, let's talk about the other big name that's out right now. Uh, Jordan Peele. Which, yeah. you want to talk about more surprises. Who would have known, you know, back at Key and Peele? But- I know. He'd be like this horror auteur. I, I have an unpopular opinion. Go, Ooh. go ahead. We're all I think about he that made, here. I think he made one good movie, and I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen like. I mean, we okay. talked about us. We right? did. I don't think it was a very good movie. Like, I think it was well made, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't. Like, there's so many damn plot holes, and like, <laughs> if you think about it for even half a second, it just falls apart, and like, it shouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's if it's from a genius like Jordan Peele mm-hmm. is in the zeitgeist, like it shouldn't fall apart with a simple pull of the thread, you know? I will agree. There's some plot. Contrivances, yeah. Contrivances. A lot of plot. Contrivances. <laughs> for me, I'm just having fun. I had fun that It was whole fun. Yeah, it was a fun movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. I thought it, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, yeah. And I think I appreciated what it tried, the bigger thing it tried to say about like, mm-hmm class and mm-hmm. we are American and across and all America. That. Yeah. Yeah, that can be what was that about? And the bunny rabbits and what, how did they yeah. poo? What did, where did they go to the bath? How did it just how many fucking rabbits did they have down there? And that's Who all was fair. raising them. That's all fair. But I really like Lupita Nyong'o just I do too. You know at the end when she looks back at her son she's like mm-hmm <laughs> I like, like that, I was, yeah. just having, I was just having fun that whole damn movie. And I think, and I think doppelgangers are terrifying. You think, okay, so this is news to me. <laughs> what is doppelgangers the doppelgangers? Are, doppelgangers are kind of terrifying. Like a, a somebody that looks like you is you trying to kill you. That's kind of, that's, I don't like doppelgangers. I don't like the whole doppelganger mythology. I don't like it. So like that scene where the, um, 
uh, where they kill in that house. They're, the very first time we see them do really bloody kills, mm-hmm. the White family mm-hmm. with Elizabeth mm-hmm. Moss's family, like that, mm-hmm. that worked on me, all of that. Yeah, I thought that was a good scene. And I think he knows his audience too. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to talk about like, you know, like you said earlier, like good kills and all that stuff. I think that that's just a, like, it's weird to say it's fun, but it is a fun scene. And I appreciate the fact that in his horror movies, we don't have to see people be like, Black people specifically, like, mm-hmm. Black people tortured, which is mm-hmm. different than general torture. But, like, Black people tortured is like, oh, the race, like, the racism and the, like, mm-hmm. Annab- I, I don't, I'm just really stuck on Annabellum and I'm, like, so mad about it. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't like this trend that I see, especially with white writers, where they're mm-hmm. like, hey, what if slavery was never banned or what if the holocaust was successful or what if the nazis won and it's like why do you want a world where like you're even more racist than we already are now right and it's like and i'm just i'm just gonna get it's gonna get fucking wild and it's like but does it need to does it need to Um, it's not like we're on the the cusp of maybe getting there anyway like do we have to right we were watching this uh youtube essayist and he was saying um it was like changes in horror movies that explain big plot holes or something like that. And so he's talking about us and he was talking, and he was a white guy. He was talking about the ending or not us get out. Um, and he was saying that uh, I guess at some point in the script, they were playing around with the idea of the girlfriend having been brainwashed too. And so that's why I brought up this, this, this essay is, this is, race that he was a white man (laughs) and he was saying like oh well I think it just makes more sense because you know like then it's like they're both kind of in it together and uh you know you see that she wasn't no I don't know if you remember exactly what he was saying but uh he was kind of like saying that she it it, to him it made more sense if she had an out and it's like Mm -hmm. okay then you might have completely missed Missed the the point. point Yeah, of that movie and I think if it was you know a white director or white writer they might have wanted to give that character some innocence but I think Mm -hmm. obviously he's talking about the history of um, violence against Mm -hmm. black people and black males perpetuated by white women and that is part of the horror and it's like you said it's an examination of that but it's not providing an out it's not like where it makes you feel bad at the end um and then I think too there was a uh uh they were going to take it in the directions that it was the cops at the end mm-hmm. who show up I think they even shot like, it it's on YouTube yeah just like you said it, it's written with he knows his audience and it's mm-hmm. it's it, yeah I, I, I can't think of another movie that's done what he did as well in that mm-hmm and I was going to say about the brainwashing thing is like the actress, and I'm sure you know this, like she's had to do interviews and she's like, people will, white people will ask her, like mm. she was brainwashed, right? Like that wasn't <laughs> really her, right? Like they need her. And she has to tell them like, no, she was one of the villains. She was like, they need her to mm-hmm. not be a bad guy Implicit, or to be yeah. willingly part of it. Interesting. It is interesting. And the, I think we talk about those two because I don't know a lot of other black horror. Again, there's Eve's Bayou, which doesn't mm-hmm. deal a lot with race. Yeah. It's, that is I mean, it's family. about black women, yeah, and family. Yeah. But um, there's uh, 
the new candy man and i guess yeah, it, you know the old candy man too. you can't talk about the new candy man without talking about the old candy man and mia yeah. what's her name mia da costa yeah um, who directed we watched it. She, directed she directed it yeah i mean that was gonna be the other you know Big talking about jordan peele no mm-hmm. which we're talking oh. about jordan peele because like, he produced he it. produced that i know he didn't you know write and direct it but he produced it and i believe he wrote it as well uh or at least, you know, had to pass on the script or something. But again, didn't care for that movie. That I actually thought was not good. And I, I said this, like someone asked me, I think it was my mom. And she was like, oh, did you like it? I was like, you know, we we haven't watched them, but we've watched like some pieces of them, of those old, how do you say it, giallo films, mm-hmm. those Italian horror films. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know what they're saying but it looks super, super stylish. And it's like, you get kind of an eerie feeling from it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if this was in a different language, like I would have enjoyed it more because it's super stylish. It has an incredible vibe. Um, and the, the violence, the kill, quote unquote kills in it, definitely missed, missed the mark, especially given the first ah. one and its history of me seeing that one super young and being afraid to... <laughs> You know, you're afraid of bees. To- bees in the toilet and all that's that true, stuff. Yeah. I mean, that would be that would be weird if it was in another language. I think it would be bad. I think I would have enjoyed it. About, like, just watch it in French one day. Cabrini Green, and it's just going to be in German or something. Well, I mean, like, if I was, like, maybe from another country oh, and I was watching it in English, I'd be like, wow, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Damn, that movie looked good. Ooh, I'm I got chills. The ability to comprehend this movie ruined your enjoyment of it. <laughs> and it's not, it's just that the plot, even more so than us, which I'm willing to forgive because I was having a good time. I was not having a very good time in Candyman. Like the the little paper cutouts, and I know that that's mm. ours. Those were fucking yeah. fantastic. That's yeah, far those away. Shorts. Those yeah, shorts, short, yeah. way best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the movie just doesn't quite get to the, it just doesn't quite go far enough. And I think it, it suffers a little bit from like, I don't know what you could call it, sequelism, where it's like they have, they're trying so hard to make sure they hit all these beats that are in the first movie, that if it could mm-hmm. be its own thing, then I think it would have been a little bit more interesting, a little fresher. Yeah, I it's, think like what you were talking about with Halloween Kills, mm-hmm. It almost, and I, I think this is just poor writing, like it almost feels like the whole aspect of it where Candyman is sort of a specter of mm-hmm. black justice, which is not present in the original mm-hmm. movie, is shoehorned in there. Like mm-hmm. it's it's done in such a way that's pretty clumsy and doesn't really make much sense. Mm-hmm. Because there's, even within that movie, it's like, okay, the, the, the portrayal of Candyman in this movie is as though he, he kind of just kills white people. Mm-hmm. But, but that's not what but, happens in the first but, one. But not in the first one, but also not even in this one, because there's yeah. a scene where he kills uh, one of yeah, the characters' two, si- sister. Yeah, like, spoiler alert, but he kills, like, two black children in it. Yeah, it's so good. it's not like... But, so, but the rest of the movie makes it seem like he is just, like, there for, for uh, vengeance. Like, yeah, for vengeance men, against... Uh, white oppressors or whatever yeah like for for black men who meet violent ends but then he's like killing he kills these two black kids in the school. Yeah. what was and that about first, but then they also bring in tony todd from the 
original Candyman, so it's not like it is a remake. Yeah. It's a sequel. It does seem like they're trying to say that Candyman, you know, is a specter of black vengeance or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in the first movie, they don't they don't bother touching with the fact that he was not that in the first movie. Right. So they just ignore that and then have this new mythology. So they should have just done a remake if that's what they want to do. Or I, and I, I kind of feel like it's like two two different stories. Like this idea of this like ghost, this person that keeps coming back because they're meeting these violent ends. Like that's a really cool story. I think you could tell it. I don't think it has shit to do with Candyman, but I think you could tell it. And then maybe you say, okay, the Candyman legend in the era of gentrification and you know Caprini Green is gone. Like, what does that mean now? Where do these where do these ghost sto- stories go? What happens to them? But that's an entirely different story, and I think like that would have been a better touch. But they they barely, barely, barely ever even like hint at it. And then you know, black Midwesternness. I'm always going to be all for Chicago is like a cool city that they could explore more. So I just I think that it was just too many threads that weren't. I don't know what you call it, knit together or whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, well, can we have, and we constantly go back to this. It's like, I don't think the store, the the fix is to have less. I think it's to have more of these opportunities, more of these stories, mm-hmm. more, you know what I mean? So we can have two of these good movies or two of these good uh, themes explored. But I would also ask, like, do is the original Candyman considered black horror? Yeah, I think that's yeah. a fair question. Because, I mean, yeah, Candyman is black. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, his character, uh, it, it's important that he's black in that movie. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, you know... A, a POV the character. Director, so. mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and Helen is, mm-hmm. you know, she's a white woman. Mm-hmm. And the director of the movie was white. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the writer. But, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't think it's necessarily coming from a black perspective Mm -hmm. whereas you know the new one presumably is Mm -hmm. um but i do think he's like an iconic character yeah and Uh, it's like how many of us watched that movie because it had black people in it that people under the stairs uh like like you said leprechaun in the hood (laughs) shock there isn't more black horror because like, I think yeah. about it, like, we could think all the things in, like, history that could be used to tell, like, a horror story that's really good. Like, the South alone, all the mm-hmm. shit you could be doing down there. And I'm just surprised that, like, we're struggling to think of other examples right. of Black horror. Because now that you said Candyman, like, I forgot that, oh, yeah, the main character of Candyman is, like, a like, white lady. And, it's, and this isn't the best example because it's not like fully a black perspective but it is like you know an examination of racial right. injustice it's yeah. based into it because I think of what is it Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. and it's like the main character in that is black right. right basically the only competent character in that movie is black and spoiler for a 50 year old movie so <laughs> like, like 68 yeah so they're running from the zombies they're running from the zombies and at the end, like this black guy's like keeping everybody together, like everyone's following him. And they had like white people kill him, right? Yeah. Because they're fucking racist. So they're like, oh no, a Negro. And then they kill him, right? At the, so he outruns all the zombies. He does all that. Yeah, he survives everything. So. Yeah. Except, except racism. 
And that's like that that movie's like in fucking black and white. So it's like that's baked into the history of it. But I mean, we don't have to tell people like there are a few opportunities. And it's like, you know, you're Latino, it's like, okay, well, how many Latino yeah. or you know? I know of Juan of the Dead. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> and it was like, don't tell me like, you know, there's no history, there's no you know, history of pressure, or like... There is, uh, which I've, I've been meaning to watch that movie, Horror Noir. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they've turned it into a series or something mm-hmm. on Shudder. Mm-hmm. We, wa- we read, last year or two years ago, a book by the producer of that. I don't oh, know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's La Llorena. Wasn't that, wasn't that a bunch of white people? Or is that... Hello. Wait, oh, say it again. The La Lorena. La Lorena. La yeah, I'm not pronouncing it right. <laughs> <laughs> there was two, I think there was two La Llorona movies that came out. One was good and one was dog shit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, okay, there might be like a Chupacabra movie or something. Yeah. I would watch a Chupacabra movie <laughs> with your dad. He had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I guess there's like from dust till dawn, maybe. Oh, and that's cool. Um, Veronica is that, or oh, is that yeah. Brazilian? I think that was South American. South American. That I actually thought was pretty good. Oh, Mexican and I guess there's American, like Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro movies as well. That okay, that's true. And I will say he kind of blends that line between horror fantasy, horror fairy tale. But yeah. I think that that's a very very thin line. He's typically not going for scary. It's mm-hmm. more like. It tends to be, yeah, it tends to be like in the horror genre, but more fantasy. Yeah. Like like his first movie, The Devil's Backbone, Mm -hmm. very good movie, Danny, if you haven't seen it. I don't even know if you've seen seen it. it. It's really Mm -hmm. good. But again, it's it's a ghost, it's kind of a ghost story, but it tackles bigger themes similar, like about war and everything, similar to like Pan's Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, you know, that eye hand guy. It's like when we watch it, somebody was like, "Oh, that just represents a white man." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're on Twitter. Yeah, he was like, "Yeah, you know that freaky man with the eyes in his hand." Everybody's scared of him. He's like, "That's just that's just white white people." White people. <laughs> and it's like, "Don't come for me." He said, "He said it." Are there any good horror coming out that you know of that we should be on the lookout for? Or anything you've seen recently too? Yeah. Or any recommendation? One thing I did watch on Halloween was this movie called The Night House. I actually really liked it. Um, but it's about this woman whose husband passes away and then basically she goes back to the house and starts hearing things and seeing things and um, thinks that he may still either may still be alive, like she sees footprints and people knocking, but no one's there. And uh, she thinks he may still be alive or there's a ghost or something. And uh, it's, it's kind of a twist on the sort of like, it, like it was very reminiscent of The Invisible Man, which I saw mm-hmm. a couple ago. The um, remake with Elizabeth, what's her face? Yes. Okay. Which I also thought was really good, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't want to say too much, but I would, I would say that it's really well made and the sound design is, is awesome. And the, Rebecca Hall, who's the main character, she's really good. Uh, very good performance. But um, 
not like super scary, but it has that really lingering feeling of like tension and what's going on. And um, I'd say it's pretty satisfying. Nighthouse is what it was called. Yeah. And the other movie I would recommend that I've seen recently, uh, which I would not recommend to Molly. Oh, okay. But <laughs> um, for reasons I won't get into, but uh, probably trigger warnings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's called Triangle, and it's basically like a time loop movie. Uh, but this one is set in the Bermuda Triangle. <clears throat> and this okay. woman gets on this boat and she's like basically having a ton of deja vu and her friends like they're on this boat that kind of capsizes and they come across this cruise liner and it's completely empty and they get on and she's like having all this deja vu like i've been here before and then suddenly someone in a jumpsuit and mask starts killing them mm. and this woman starts seeing like versions of herself on the mm -hmm. ship and so uh yeah it's it's a very well done like time loop movie but um, there's one thing that happens in it that relates to children. So I oh, I see. Got it. Yeah. Um, we also, for TV, we watch a lot of that show, Evil. Oh, yeah. You talk about that. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need to finish that. Yeah, we should finish that. That's just a fucked up show. But it's good. You like getting scared, Molly? Yeah. It's But the thing is, like, it's but it's over the top mm -hmm. but i think it tackles real themes like really real themes but it's it's been telling like some black stories right? yeah like, oh yeah oh that yeah episode about the hospital yeah the hospital i was fucking up sitting i was like went <laughs> out of the room crying i was like oh my god like this hit way too close to home but um yeah and you'll like this daniel he's a catholic he's a catholic priest and so they have a whole thing about uh uh, some guy comes up to him. He's like, "Don't you feel weird being like a black Catholic priest? Come on!" And then uh, the guy from Lost yeah. is playing like basically he's like fantastic. he's really good. He's way over the top. He's playing like the devil's therapist, and he um, he like when he like tries to get in people's heads, he like points out things that are like just factually true. He's like, "Oh, so you're hanging out with the Catholic Church, but..." Were they like really into like it's like people and like colonizing and why all these atrocities and he's like mm. all this and that and it's like they can't even argue with it because it's like oh yeah so he's just chewing up scenery they have like a really really upsetting um well I guess not upsetting but they have a kind of thread about like a red pill kind of guy uh, uh. that ends in an extremely satisfying way I think. <laughs> So, yeah, I would say it is, but I think it kind of avoids some of that just, like, torture porn on Black bodies because at the end yeah. of the day, the main characters are usually victorious, even though they're kind of like, oh, this is a constant struggle that we have against, quote-unquote, evil. But I think also, like, that hospital episode was highlighting something that probably a lot of people who aren't black don't know, about, yeah. you know, don't understand. Yeah. I think it does. How about like healthcare? As a yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's and like a nurse. Differently. Yeah. A, a white nurse who specifically is targeting the black people in her care. Um, 
denying them meds. I know it, it was like when I say it was over over medicating, denying them pain medication, like putting them under so they don't complain. And so it's like it plays with this thing in this. They keep going back and forth, and they're like, "Well, is this like demonic? Is it evil? Or are these just like people? Um, and people are just, you know, the actual bad guys." Yes. So extremely surprisingly deep show for fucking CBS. Yeah. Well, what is it? Paramount. Paramount now. Yeah. A recommendation that I never see recommended anywhere that you haven't watched. Creep. Oh. I think about that one all the time. Okay. I love that movie. That movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, Danny, I think you would like this one. If there's just some dude in your house and the two of you go nuts. Ooh, see, she do. I need to be watching something about somebody in your house. It's well, he, that's his house. Yeah. It, yes, it's the guy the comes to his house. house. The guy goes to his house. Okay. Because <laughs> and it has an ending that baffles me. It's like an indie mumblecore. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just really like the uh, main, the creep, the quote unquote, the titular creep, his performance in it. It's on Netflix too. Maybe I'll check that out. I got to be careful about anything that involves, like, like that Strangers franchise. Can't do that shit. I got to be really careful about anything where it's like um, people coming to your house and attacking you because I have like a lot of issues with that right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is some, you would have to go to somebody's house and ignore every warning sign that you should leave. Yeah, he's like answering a Craigslist ad for a, a camera. Okay. Yeah, cameraman. Okay. Someone and I, you know what? Try. I'm not doing that. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I think part of the fun of it is like the whole time you're like, why are you not leaving yet? Okay. Oh, actually, this sounds okay. I can do this. I can do. I will watch this. Yeah. I'll check I don't, that one like, out. If you're seeing. Um, rules apply for true crime, <laughs> but <it can't, laughs> which I don't you know. need to be watching either. <laughs> Dude, y'all basically says, and it's the same thing I kind of said. Like, if it can happen to me, I don't want to hear about it. If it, if it's very unlikely that it would happen to me, then maybe I could do it. Yeah, like and like even and to be fair, it's very unlikely somebody's gonna break into my house, but. It right. could happen. I listened to a documentary about the BTK killer, and I had to like leave everything alone for a week. Like it messed me yeah. up. Have you yeah. seen The Purge, Danny? No, I. So okay, so all the it looked kind of like gratuitous gory. Frank's mom loves those movies. Yeah, really, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. His dad was like, she every year she takes me. She wants <laughs> to go see The Purge. I don't think that, I don't. I wouldn't call them gory though. They're they're violent, but I wouldn't call them gory. I think that's an important distinction because I think that like, is good a to know. Lot yeah. Of movies, yeah, are super violent, but you don't see like blood and guts. I think that that, like when we talk about Saw, I was like, oh, that's gory. Squishy like, yeah. noises and stuff. I'm like, I don't like okay, that. Okay, okay. But the first Saw movie is not like that. It gets worse later on. The first Saw movie, I was angry like I was laying on the floor. Hostel is, is nasty from the start. I, it's, yeah. I, I, we didn't even get into our touch, and maybe we could come back one time and do that. That's so bad, it's good because I feel like horror has a really like it can lean into so bad, it's good super yeah. easily, yeah, more so than other. Because I'm thinking like Troll 2, fantastic movie. We talked about a Wicker yeah, Man, that's a yeah, arachnophobia. Oh, hold on, hang on, we're talking about so bad, it's good, not it's just good. <laughs> 
just think about that scene with the giant spider, and I haven't seen it in decades, to be fair. So maybe it's better than I think. But I always think back to that scene with that giant, like, mechanical spider and that grown-ass man. I'm like, just step on it. Like, I don't know. Um, Deep Blue Sea? Is that a horror? Is that yeah. action? It's, it's so comedic, action though. Mwah! Mwah! <laughs> what a great so comedic. Movie. Just, uh, what's his name? Try to get away. Uh, um, who is it? He's in the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Cool J? <laughs> the parrot. Mwah! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we try to watch the second one and it was just trash? Yeah, I think he fell asleep on it. Yeah. And I was just sitting there like because hmm. they were trying with the first one. It's, they were. It's like that thing like Birdemic where the first one you can tell that they were actually trying mm-hmm. to make a decent movie. Mm-hmm. But then the second one, they just leaned into the fact that the first one ended up being so bad and like really beloved. Mm-hmm. So they just went, well, we're just gonna go crazy with it and make it as bad as possible. And then it's just like yeah, and that's just, not the way to go. To watch, yeah, you gotta you oh. gotta have some heart in it. You can't, yeah, you can't try to make a bad movie. You yeah. try to make a good. You movie. try to make a good bad. movie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we haven't. I'm still waiting for like the onslaught of like COVID fiction. I feel mm. like there hasn't. Like, I feel like COVID horror, like quarantine and COVID, should have been like a fertile ground for like different types of horror and other fiction. And I feel like I haven't seen it. Yeah, all I, I see like, is kissing the coronavirus, and I was like, "Well, that's not what I wanted." What the fuck is that? That romance that? novel that pissed everybody off. Like, it was a scientist <laughs> who was literally making out with the coronavirus, like a what? human, a human personification of the coronavirus. You you <laughs> missed that hubbub, Molly. People were furious. I I can see that. I I think it's gonna come later, and I don't think I'll be any more interested in it than than I am now. I think it's hard because it's a, it's like a real life horror mm. that to make that's a true. fictional horror about to get it away from people yeah. be, is too real mm. like you know it's you want other types of like you want horror that's not gonna happen so close you're living through right yeah now. that's yeah. true yeah that's oh too God. too close yeah because even the zoom one i don't even think they really talk about the coronavirus it's just like we're just at home we're all on zoom yeah you don't even really think about it and that one's nice and short it's like Super an hour short. long it's all on a zoom they get like in they get out it's, it's good and they say yeah watch it on your computer too yeah oh i gotta do that then we watch it with frank's parents who you know weren't remote working so <laughs> we were laughing <laughs> <laughs> they were troopers yeah any final thoughts and final movies you want to sneak in there i mean there's too many <laughs> too many of the like, list. No um i don't know I, hmm. any final questions danielle or thoughts i don't think so i Do just want to have a a romance for frank <laughs> i don't i not not warm bodies What's that? I haven't seen that one or read that one. Yeah, I wish you had told me. I could, because I'm sure there has to be somewhere out there. Someone's done it. Some kind of like okay. horror romance. So like, there's monster. There are monster romances. I don't know that. I feel like you can't drop someone into that without like. You, that's not a yeah. beginner. That's not a beginner book. Yeah, that's um. That's like advanced. Furries? Like, like almost like furries or something. Like think about like actual monster. Squared. 
like they Shout get a werewolf one. Yeah. <laughs> like there are werewolf ones, there are vampire ones, like then there are ones that are just like straight up inhuman monsters. And I feel like I can't drop a beginner in those because it's I get the vampires. Sort of. Tanya Hibbert wrote a really good werewolf one, actually. That's kind of okay. cute. She's and it's you... uh Mating the Huntress by Talia Hibbert. It's funny, too, because she can write humor pretty well. Yeah, she can. I've read a little bit of Talia Hibbert to you. Yeah, Yeah. you seemed like you liked it. (laughs) Okay, all right. So Danielle will watch one of these movies and Frank will read. (laughs) And we'll come back and give our report. We'll come back a year from now in in November (laughs) to our fourth One of these days we're going to let Molly have a whole episode about fantasy. Thank you. Now, I'm not an expert, but I would like to find someone who could talk about thrillers and suspense. Because we, Cause I'm still I, confused. I just don't know what the difference is. We should do another episode with Frank and I was trying to think of another one because, like, this is fun. We don't usually get a, a male perspective, and now I'm thinking about, like, do the romance episode and make Frank read it because that'd be really interesting. You want to come back in February? Yeah, read the romance. Ooh, okay. Now we got to think of the right romance, right? Because I've always wanted to get a men's perspective on like a romance, which are usually written by women, and the men tend to be very like not stylized. What's the word I'm trying to say? Like how men are written in romance, like they're not unrealistic, but they're very proppy sometimes. Proppy and like um fantasy, fantasy. I like they're like yeah, yeah. So it'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, there we go. That's the word. I would like to hear like an actual, real, living, breathing man's perspective on these things. (laughs) Well, okay, we could do we could do a regular romance, or you could have a mom rise play the pot. (laughs) That's his that's his comfort level. That's for him to call. We'll talk about. We'll talk about. Or if there's like a good one that we could have. I think that's, yes, that's it for book. If we did do, I was just going to say, we did do the Black Readers Con, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we had a good time. I have to, if it's accessible for people to, I don't know if they're offering paid access later. We mentioned it, and then I realized nobody could probably hear it, but we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. It was fun, though, and they have another one, you know, I'd be happy to take part or listen again. It was a lot of fun. I know that people were like, oh, uh, well-read black girl also had a conference that weekend oh did she okay yeah i think so so this was black readers con and it was super fun like we did the romance panel and it was chill chill. like it was yeah yeah it was fun it was a lot of fun we had some uh uh, interesting conversation and (laughs) it was hard because it was like more people than we (laughs) normally it was four people on the panel and yeah, and they wanted, and like, I don't know if I'll include this in the recording, but I think it's just confusing. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to ask questions as readers, yeah. but they gave us four writers, and yeah. so it didn't, when we tried to do that, it just didn't work, and I don't think, I think if you want to have a reader's con, you should get, it should be a panel full of readers, like yeah. romance bloggers or something. Yeah, if they wanted to do a big, like, podcaster roundtable, that would be fun. yeah. Especially since like a lot of us like know each other and started going on each other's shows, like yeah, that would just be really ratchet. But I think that they answered really well. I think they, they did a good job. Yeah, they did. And I think at first those are like 
I know. I, yeah. I, I, I think it was us. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. we were still trying to, yeah. But it, it got good. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, as a reader. Right. And I think they're change. like, but if you're a romance writer and that's your full-time job, you can't just turn that off. And I get it. Right. Exactly. So, I get it. I think that's it, though. That's an episode. I think so. That was fun. It was. We don't have that to do all fun. our spiel right now. Thank you, special guest. Thank you, special guest. Thanks for having me. <laughs> He's like, peace out, bye. Credits. I'm on the floor. Yeah, he's like oh. on the floor of the cat. Oh. Oh. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.